Matt Wilde's got my coffee stand. And Matt Boyd, thank you. Um, if you guys don't know Matt, you got about a week to get to know him, or else you're going to have to go visit him in Slovakia. But uh, thank you, Matt. Appreciate your humility and your story. Um, my name is Jake, if we haven't met. Hi. And um, yeah, how's everyone doing? So I was asked to speak tonight, and I said, yeah, sure, what's the topic, or what series are we in? And then I realized um, this is like it. We have next week, and then we're done. So they said, whatever you want. And so I got real creative and came up with the title for tonight's talk, John 6. <laughs> and so, yeah, you guessed it. Tonight we're going to be in Genesis. So, I'm just kidding. We're going to be in John 6. Uh, but, fun fact, John 6, it's the longest chapter in the Gospel of John. It's actually probably the longest chapter in the New Testament, so we're not going to read it all. We're going to be starting off in John 6.25, but I want to catch us up to speed. So, right before John 6.25, the previous 24 verses, Jesus does this thing where he feeds the 5,000. It's a lot of people. He feeds them bread. And then Jesus' disciples decide that they're going to hop in a boat and head over to Capernaum. Jesus says, I've seen how you guys manage a boat, and so I'm going to take the Birkenstock Express, a.k.a. walk on water. And the crowd that he just fed, all right, they saw the disciples get in the boat. Jesus doesn't get in with them. Then, the next morning, they start looking for Jesus. They can't find him. So this huge crowd of people goes to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 6, verse 25. So it says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Um, is anyone here ever guilty of having like a hidden agenda? Okay, the rest of you are liars, but that's all right. Um, or maybe you're just awesome people. Well, I remember first day of winter conference, my senior year, I laid eyes on the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Oh, there she is, right there. And she was eating Chipotle with some mutual friends, all right? So you know what I did? is I was walking by, and I did what any man would do, right? I walked right up to my now wife, and I asked where she got her Chipotle. <laughs> now, I, I love food more than probably everyone in this room, and so I already knew where the Chipotle was, but uh, I just didn't quite have the guts to ask for her number yet. So that took me quite a few days. But anyway, fortunately for me, my hidden agenda was not, uh, 
you know, picked up on. But in the passage we just read, it seems like these people who were coming to Jesus had a little bit of a hidden agenda, whether they knew it or not. And Jesus saw right straight through that. And uh, it's funny, because the question they ask, Rabbi, how did you get here? When did you get here? Um, They actually meant something incredibly different. And for me, when I read Jesus' response to this question, uh, it, it was challenging to me. Uh, and the reason was because, you know, I thought to myself, if these people who have just seen Jesus do this incredibly miraculous thing and have probably seen Jesus do some pretty miraculous things before then, if they're guilty of having this hidden agenda, um, am I also guilty of the same thing? And so it got me thinking. And, you know, I was, I, as I was looking back on just my short time of walking with Jesus, there were some specific, I guess, hidden agendas that I was able to point out in my life, some ulterior motives as it related to me seeking Christ. And so, you know, I threw those up on the screen. You know, the first one, I can just remember, you know, as, as I was searching for Jesus, I, I just found myself coming back time and time again because I felt like I finally had a community. I finally had legitimate friends that um, I just couldn't find anywhere else. Second, you know, I can remember times where I was actually running after God because I was afraid. You know, I was afraid of spending eternity away from God. I was anxious. I was afraid of letting people down around me. You know, I can remember times where I was seeking Jesus just to please others. You know, people who I respected in my life. I want to please them. Um, I can even remember, you know, uh, just feeling so discouraged with relationships, unhealthy relationships that I had had, that I I said, you know what, like, if if I want a healthy relationship, it has to be with a Christian girl. And so I better take this Jesus thing serious, or at least start to. Um, I can remember, you know, just wanting to be someone that people look up to. This is another reason why I found myself running after Jesus. And uh, this last one, you know, it's a good one, and I think it's one that, you know, maybe if you're in crew long enough, you might be prone to, and it's, I just was really attracted to this idea of adventure and taking risks to get the gospel places that, you know, it hasn't been before. And I just want to say, none of these things are ultimately bad things, but, uh, I think the problem is, when they become the main thing, uh, we run into some complications. And so I'm, I'm sure you guys, uh, maybe you don't, maybe you don't relate to any of these. In that case, you can just laugh at me. But if you do, I would, uh, yeah, love for you guys, just turn next to people next to you and uh, share if you relate to any of these, or maybe there's some that, I don't know, you that came to mind for you uh, as I I was reading through these. So turn to the people next to you, talk. I'm going to get a drink of coffee, and then I'll pull us back together. So I wish I could give you more time, but I just can't. So if you're really dying to uh, share that next thought, 
You're going to have to wait till after 180, I'm sorry. But um, whatever it was you shared, whatever it was you related to, whatever it was that came to mind, I want you to hold on to that, all right? Remember that. We're going to keep going. Picking up in uh, verse 28, this group, this crowd, they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus gives them an oh-so-Jesus answer. Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work is to believe. It's funny, kind of, that it seems like a lot of times Jesus gets asked questions and he just doesn't give the... He gives them an answer, but it's like, you didn't answer my question, man. Like, that, that doesn't help me. Uh, but he says this for a reason. Um, after this response, though, again, super long chapter. We can't look at everything. Things start to escalate a little bit. You may have heard um, to these things that are, are called the I am statements. It's these Statements that Jesus makes throughout the Gospel of John, where he's making all these great claims. He says, I am, I am, I am, all these things. And this leads us to one of Jesus' great I am statements, saying, I am the bread of life. And he takes it even further. He says, not only am I the bread of life, but actually, he takes us all the way back to Exodus. He says, the manna that God provided his people with every morning so that they could survive, that bread that was sent from heaven, that's me. Um, And keep in mind, we'll see it, you know, coming up here in a little bit. He was teaching in a synagogue. So he's teaching around a lot of different people who know a thing or two about this Old Testament he's referring to. And so this crosses a line for a lot of these people. Jesus is starting to get into territory where it's like, I don't know, man. You're, you're getting pretty out there. And so what's Jesus do? He takes it even further. I love it. I, lo- I, I love Jesus. <laughs> Are you ready for this? this it gets kind of, I'm just going to say, it gets kind of weird, but it's good. Um, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just at... Turn that off. (laughs) Just kidding. Just as, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Doesn't that sound appealing? Uh, I just want to say, this is not literal. 
you read this literal, and you have a documentary made on you. You heard of Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> I, just, I thought about not saying that, but I'm like, I have to say it. Um, but honestly, uh, when, it's, when, it, when it just did not seem like the bar could get any higher, Jesus takes it up another level. Essentially, Jesus is saying, you think you know what I'm about. You think you know what it means to follow me. You think you know what it means to be my disciple. And you are wrong. You do not know. What's absolutely incredible, in my opinion, is that, again, at this point in Christ's ministry, he's speaking to people who've been around him for a decent amount of time. And so how do they respond to this upping the bar? Let's keep reading. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Ulterior motives, uh, seeking after Christ for something other than what he claims to be, um, desiring the gifts of the Christian life apart from the cross, of the Christian life, all these things ultimately leave people disappointed, down and out, packing their bags, walking away from Jesus, and trying to find life somewhere else that, newsflash, they're not going to find. And, you know, the, um, those ulterior motives, those things that we talked about, you know, previously when you turned next to each other. Um, those things, they're just going to happen. Not a single one of us in here has a 100% pure motive for really doing anything. So when it comes to following Jesus, it makes sense that as time goes on, we're going to realize, hey, I had a lot of mixed up desires and motives for even stepping into 180 in the first place. And that's, that's okay. That's that's reality. Uh, but the question becomes, when that bar gets upped, when Jesus shines a light on these motives that we have, what's our response? Here's the list, just to remind you. For me personally, you know, reasons why when I look back in my life, I found myself running after Christ. And each and every one of these, if these were the main reason... I wouldn't be here right now. Friendships. What happens when all or some or many 
of your friends decide, you know what, this whole Jesus thing, it's not for me. What are you going to do? Fear. What happens when the fear, the anxiety, the you know, worry about eternity doesn't just go away? What are you going to do? Pleasing, impressing others. This is a good one. What happens when people actually aren't impressed that you're going on a summer mission with crew? You're going to just not go? What happens when you, know, you, you say you're thinking about going into full-time ministry and people just kind of laugh? Or some, something else? Relationships. What happens when you feel like you've been doing all the right things for so long, but you still feel alone? You still feel you're single? You know, desire to be seen. What happens when everyone else around you are the people who's getting recognition and it's not you? Adventure. This is a good one. Matt, Matt mentioned it. Um, what happens when this thing called a pandemic strikes and the thing that you're most excited about is ministry and going to the nations and living life on mission and you get sentenced to essentially house arrest for two years. What do you do? Everything I just mentioned, I've experienced firsthand and each and every time, and there's so many more. Uh, this isn't just, this isn't exhaustive by any means, but each and every time I've been forced to sit down and ask myself, is is Jesus enough? If all these things were taken away, is Jesus enough? Do I really believe in the one who God has sent? Do I believe he is who he says he is? He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And everything else is just icing on the cake if I get to experience it. If all these things are taken away, is Jesus still enough? Christ's words. Every day, every second, every season, we should remember them. The people asked Jesus, what do we need to do to do the work of God? And Jesus says, believe in me. When Christ says that, it's going to be revealed to us that over time, it, it's not always as easy as it sounds. And when those times come, when things don't quite go as planned, when the things that we thought Jesus was going to provide us, and then he doesn't, we're going to have a decision to make. And it's, it's really not a complicated one, because there's not a whole lot of choices. Let's look again at verse 66. Option one says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It's, uh, it's actually heartbreaking, but this is a reality. There are going to be people that you know. Maybe there are people who you know. Maybe you've experienced this where... People say this Jesus thing isn't quite getting me where I thought it would. And so I'm going to put that off to the side and do things my way. But this isn't the only response. This chapter ends 
with a whammy. All right, John 6, 67 through 69. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. The crowds were there. Everyone left, and he's left with the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. There's a lot of times where uh, I don't think we should really follow Peter's lead, but this isn't one of them. Peter sees something that I hope each and every one of us for the rest of our lives can see. Peter sees everything we're looking for, everything we desperately desire, everything we think we want is ultimately given to us in Christ, whether we feel like it or not. It's incredible. I guarantee you, Peter had some buddies in this big crowd that decided, hey, this Jesus thing isn't for me, and walked away. I'm sure he didn't feel incredible in this moment. But when Jesus says, believe in me, Peter says, all right, I will. When life's hard, when it's easy, when things are taken from us, when things are added to us, when mental, emotional, physical health, all-time low, or couldn't get any better, the command, Jesus' words, are just the same to us as they were to these people, and that's believe in me. And I, I just want to read these you know, three verses one more time um, before I close this in prayer uh, because I, I love them. Uh, it says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, this, this evening and God for your word. I pray, God, that uh, Peter's response to your son that we read about here would be our response for the rest of our life. Lord, no matter uh, what motives may be revealed in our lives that are at play for us running after you. God, I pray that they would just serve as um, stop points for us to stop and examine ourselves and remind ourselves that um, you are the one who gives eternal life. And God, it's uh, in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. 
The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180 Podcast.